Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Biomass from episode 271. Glad you could join us. We've got uh, kind of the OG crew here and some good stuff to talk about. So let's get started with introductions, starting at the top of the list with Sarizel. I am Sarizel. Are you still moving or has things I... settled down? Honestly, I'm not sure I'll ever officially be done moving. Um, <laughs> I have a deadline that I have now that I have to be like I have to have my old place empty, painted, and and is gonna be rented. So the deadline will help. Um, this place is still a, a disaster area in in progress, um, but but things are 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 slowly moving. Like. Um, you know, I discovered that, like, all the, the... You know how, like, the closets now have all that, like, shelving structure built into them? Yeah. And, well, you know, this weekend I wasn't really planning on it, but I realized the whole thing was, like, ripping out of the wall. And so I ended up spending, like, a whole day rebuilding that and, and kind of shoring that up and stuff like that. So it's it's a lot of just fixing stuff. The joys of owning a house. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Jake, you're up. Hey guys, I'm Jake, and uh, I'm also one of the uh, uh, worldwide uh, correspondents for the mighty uh, Biomass Media Empire. Uh, I am currently traveling out on the West Coast right now, so I'm literally going East Coast, West Coast time zone, and I'm absolutely confident it's going to be awesome because I'll be here for 24 hours, and I'm going back to the East Coast, so I, I don't really intend to sleep much for the next, I don't know, 72 hours. It'll be baller. I assume that's all uh, work-related, not uh, for vacation? No, well, no, because if I was vacationing and I was going to move three time zones, I probably, I'm just going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say I'm probably going to spend more than 24 hours at the location. <laughs> Run it out there. <laughs> uh, yeah, I couldn't do it, man. I don't know how you keep up. All right. I am Pokey Draven. I also play games, help with the show, general weeb and nerd, you know, good stuff. But on to the topic. So... <laughs> Disney is ramping up for their Disney Plus subscription service where they're going to basically put half of the media that exists on the planet onto their uh, their streaming service coming out later this year. And with that comes quite a number of additions. Uh, we're going to touch on a couple of them. But I think we'll start with the one that made me kind of cringe a little bit. Did you guys uh, see the, the Lady and the Tramp trailer? Very scary. Yeah. <laughs> Very scary. I, they seem fully committed to let's remake every movie, even though we probably shouldn't plan. Well, yeah, I, I mean, it's, I, I would actually chalk this one up to so like Jungle Book. I could I, I could kind of get behind that one. Actually, they did a, a pretty good job of the Jungle Book one. But this one, there's like I don't think one. I don't think there's any like, like hue and cry over like for the love of God, please give me Lady and the Tramp. Um, that's number one. Two. If you're not gonna, if, if you're gonna remake uh, all of these classic Disney animated pieces, which are by and large predominantly with fantastical creatures or anthropomorphic animals, and you don't go like all in Jungle Book, Lion King level of animation, it just looks kind of kind of icky, you know, um, because they've set a very high bar for themselves. So I would, uh, I kind of chalked it up to that, but it, it just, it didn't, it just didn't. It didn't work for me. This is probably one of the ones I would have, I would have said that probably would have been mo better off, um, you know, staying in the animated venue. Uh, there's a few other ones out there that might be kind of cool. Like, I, like I can't imagine them redoing something like Robin Hood with 
like kind of the uh, the Jungle Book style. It just doesn't work uh, based on based on the type of cartoon it was. I, I kind of similarly saw this in that kind of vein. And frankly, if I want Lady and the Tramp, like I want them to do it 101 Dalmatian style with like real dogs. That's that's just me though. What do you think, Zell? So? <sighs> just uh, I mean. Hey, they're committed to the craft here at this point. <laughs> Every classic Disney movie is going to be done as a mildly disturbing CGI take, I guess. Now, do you guys think that this is because it's coming out as a movie on their streaming service rather than like a box office release that this is lower budget? That's why we've gone headfirst into the uncanny valley. Or do you think this would have happened regardless of where it was being released? No, I, I think you're. I didn't even think of it that way, Pokey. But, but I, I, I would suspect that you are. You're absolutely correct. Because, I mean, the level of polish to get from where they're at to, like I said, using if you use like Jungle Book as sort of the the, the cut standard, is it, it may sound like a little bit like, hey, they just got to do some tweaks here or there, this that, and the other. But you're probably, I mean. It took him like what? How many millions of dollars to fix Henry Cavill's mustache? Chittily. So I, <laughs> that's true. I could see this is definitely a uh, more of a value move. Which again, it still goes back to. I would have even bought if they went into more of a uh, like a like a, a modern animated version of Lady and the Tramp. I would even still bought that one. But agree, I I just think it's okay to leave some of those classic pieces the way they are because. Frankly, that was a very iconic animation style that they had. And outside of the old, old, old classic Warner Brothers stuff, which, by the way, you cannot find anymore because of, of the subject matter in them. Um, like, they hand-drew every single animation cell. Uh, and they were, you want to talk about craftsmen, like, they, they were meticulous about their art. Uh, and they were setting industry standards for animation, at, you know, in multiple different levels. There, it's it's sort of like if I looked at a a beautiful painting and then I watch, then I looked at the same scene live, I I suspect that you would lose some of the magic that was captured by the artist. This is kind of where I, where I come from. That yeah, I think you're right that it's it's not some things just don't translate very well. Like my brother and I were talking about this uh, the other night because he's a like Disney fanatic, so he's all over this stuff, and we he's like. What what do you think they'll do live action next? Because you know they've they've got this, they've got um, uh, 101 Dalmatians, which actually looks pretty good in the, the the still they've shown. He's like, do you think they'd ever do like redo Tarzan? And I'm like, no, they shouldn't because there's no way they could ever make a live action version of that look as cool and as crisp as that animated one did when that first came out. Like, but they're gonna do it anyways. So. Oh, like, I worry that they'll try. <laughs> It's just going to be bad. Because uh, it, I actually think they might stay away from Tarzan only because that's been done repeatedly. Because right. it's, it's an open IP. It's you know, basically nobody on anybody can make a Tarzan movie, basically. So I, I kind of wonder if they might stay away from that one. Uh, but if they're going for the older, like the older ones, I, I thought they would have reached for, I mean, you could kind of argue that Sleeping Beauty's kind of been done in a, in a very roundabout sort of gothy kind of way. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe Cinderella. I mean, I, I, that might be a good one that they could they could do. Um, Fantasia is one of the best things you can ever watch on DMT. But you know, I might have heard that. <laughs> I, could, I, I could see them doing Bambi as well. 
Really? Uh, you think they yeah, I, I think they would because that's people are people are all over that. It's an iconic Disney classic. Expect them to hit it eventually. Yeah. That's fair. Probably that's... next year or something like that. I don't know. They've already done Peter Pan several different ways. Um, Pinocchio they've done as well, haven't they? I feel like they've done something with Pinocchio in the past. It's, there's been a fair amount of Pinocchio-esque type stuff. But... Yeah, I'm just kind of flipping through them here. Um, I mean, they've gotten a lot of them. Sword in the Stone, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch here, but I mean, it's it, it kind of comes back to what we were talking about before with like Little Mermaid. It's like, I was like, I hope they, like, how are they going to deal with, like, Sebastian the Crab? So, like, it's kind of hard to make a crab anthropomorphic and not look like a total cartoon. And they'd have to edit that out. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of curious to how far they'll push the envelope with, with some of this stuff now. Because, um, like, I was fine with kind of like, we'll use real dogs and, and, you know, maybe do some stuff with the mouth. But when they do full CGI, you just run into this really weird, uncanny valley stuff. And it's just, ugh. Um, but like I said, in, in, in kind of your point, Jay, is that maybe not many people were begging for this. So they're like, eh, we'll throw it on our streaming service to kind of sweeten the pot but not spend a ton of money on it. Um, rather than kind of put a, a full, you know, production budget behind it for like a major release when it probably won't do that well. Like people will watch it if it's on the streaming service, but they may not, you know, go out and spend 12, 14 bucks on, a, on an actual film in the theater. Yeah, I, I, I you know... I don't know how much they spent on this one, but yeah, hey, kudos. They're trying to like they're trying to like freshen up a bunch of their stuff. I'm kind of okay with that, but it's not like they're lacking for content generally, though, either. Um, and what might have been kind of cool is, you know, springboarding off of the older movies and then you know showing so- something new. You know, like yeah, I've seen that a couple t- couple times in uh, other shows where you like literally uh, pick start your show where the first one ended. And it would be in the old animation style, and then it would like melt into a newer, different animation style or something for the actual, you know, rest of the movie. That, you know, I mean, there's there's different ways they could have done that, but I, burning, you know, five to seven minutes on Lady in the Tramp, which none of us on, in any other circumstance would have done had Disney not put it out. So if if they're just trying to generate interest for their streaming service, not that they need it anymore. They have it from random white guys in different corners of the country talking about shit we're not going to watch. So it, it's a win for them. There you go. So another thing that's popping up on Disney Plus, which looks way better, like a lot better, is going to be the Mandalorian uh, series with uh, <clears throat> with you know the next big bounty hunter in, in Star Wars. And, and I, I think what really appeals to me for this one is it's, it's being advertised as kind of filling the gap between um, episode six and episode seven in the Star Wars universe, which is kind of currently a big blank. It's just a, yeah, the first order popped up and they're terrible, um, but they didn't really explain what happened in that space. And I think using the Mandalorian as a vehicle to explain that section of the timeline is fantastic. Like this, this looks really, really cool. I'm actually very hyped for that. And since I'll be getting this service for the kid um, and partially for me so I can watch this stuff, I'm, I'm pretty pumped for it. Hey, Zill. Yes. What do you think? Yeah. Eh? Really? I'm not, I'm not a big Star Wars fan. Really? Have you seen his Twitter handle? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Come on. It's like the next Bubba Fett. It's awesome. <laughs> 
So I need to cold pass to, to, to Zell only to just gauge what his fucking lackluster flaccid response would be. <laughs> uh, that like, I, I will have to say, I'm pretty stoked for the Mandalorian. I've been kind of watching this one kind of close since they sort of teased it out uh, several months ago. Looks pretty baller. Uh, they certainly have a really a really legit cast that's backing it up. Uh, I kind of like the time period is a good choice, and in, interestingly enough, they're definitely passing it into a part of the galaxy reportedly that we haven't seen. There, it's kind of going towards more of the outer rim type stuff. Apparently, um, I kind of got a little bit of a um, Mad Max kind of Firefly sort of vibe from it, uh, mm-hmm. which is cool. Uh, the, the so you got let's see in the crew of oh, mercenaries or bounty hunters at least what I'm tracking right now you got the Mandalorian played by Pedro Pascal who's pretty cool by the way and I, I I'll be very interested to see uh, you know how he does this he's he's generally good in most things he does I've not seen him do anything bad uh, I really kind of like them he was good in Game of Thrones uh, he was fixed, you know not not too bad in the Kingsman um, I, I don't I didn't really like that movie but I thought he did a pretty solid job with it. Um, I can think of a couple other guys I probably would have liked better, maybe. Uh, I, I actually thought Diego Luna would have been maybe a little bit better, but I like Pedro Pascal, so let, we'll kind of see how it goes. Uh, Gina Carano, uh, pretty you know, pretty, pretty handy B-action movie career now, uh, you know, since she's stopped professionally fighting. She still looks like she could probably, like, rearrange most of your facial bones if she hits you really hard. Uh Let's see, IG-11, IG not IG-88, it's IG-11, uh, and that is voiced by Taika Waititi, uh, which I am super stoked for. And uh, I don't know if you caught it, but Bill Burr is, is one of the other guys. And he's legitimately one of my favorite, you know, stand-up comedians out there. Uh, he's definitely not your, like, he's, he's sort of more of the acidic wit, sort of, like, incredibly dry, like, cutting, like, hateful uh boston and uh he's absolutely hilarious uh i'm very patiently waiting to see how he kind of does this and he famously does not like star wars too which is <laughs> which is one of these things i'm kind of interested in but uh carl uh yeah yeah carl weathers was uh plays a character by the name of greg something or another he's like the bounty hunter guild guy uh get the creepy german filmmaker guy who's uh one of the empire dudes uh, yet, Chicolor Esposito as one of the uh, other Empire, you know, honchos. So you got quite a few people floating in there that seem to be pretty, pretty dialed in in terms of the talent. Uh, they certainly, I think John Favreau's put together a pretty good crew uh, to pull this off. I'm very interested, very, very, very keen to see how this, uh, how this breaks out. And I, and I believe, if I, if I'm reading this right, it's a, I think it's like a ten episode Netflix style uh, series. If I'm not mistaken, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, it doesn't say number of episodes yet, but no, I think this is, you know, it's. I think it's an excellent way to kind of launch the platform. And like you said, there's a lot of good names in there. It's 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 interesting the time period. I think it's a another facet of the Star Wars universe people haven't seen or would like to see more of at least. Um, I, 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 I'm a big fan of this kind of stuff because it's a little bit lower risks. They're more likely to do it, especially on this platform. Cause you know, when you put out like a big main series movie, it's, it's a big deal. You know, there's a lot of risk, but I think that when they're, 
out of the smaller kind of side movies or even this these series, you know, it gives them some opportunity to kind of play with some ideas and, and explore different things that, you know, if it flops, that's not the end of the world, but, you know, you at least have that chance of, of more stuff, you know, that you can see in the Star Wars universe. So I, I, I think it's great. Um, very cool. I'm, I'm actually more excited about this than I am about episode nine, <laughs> but um, it's probably because eight left a bad taste in my mouth. So, you know, we'll have to see. Yeah, this actually struck me a little bit kind of Rogue One kind of tones a little bit. Yes, too. exactly. Which, I, which I'm a huge fan of, the Ro- of Rogue One. I thought that was actually really, really good. Uh, so it's, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of keen to see this. Uh, well, I'm not kind of keen. I am super. It's probably the reason I'm going to get this streaming service, to be frank with you. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be some other stuff out there. I think, the, you know, the Marvel stuff's going to be on there, which is going to be interesting, Marvel too. Stuff. Uh, 100%. So, I, yeah, I, I'm going to get the Disney service. I make no bones about the fact I'm getting it for me. And then, like, boy can watch it, you know, when you when he's not watching any of his favorite YouTubers. He doesn't really watch TV. He just watches YouTube, which I probably need to, you know, look at that parental technique as well. But uh, it is what it is. Yeah, and I mean, the, the price on it is it's totally reasonable, too. Like, I, I could see Disney trying to gouge on this just because you know, they probably could. But... You know, seven bucks a month or seventy dollars for a year is really reasonable. It's less than even the lowest tier of Netflix. So, you know, it, it's kind of a no-brainer in my in my eye, just because of the sheer amount of stuff that they're going to have on there is is a really good value. So I'm I'm pretty stoked for it as well. So speaking of Star Wars, uh, we got a trailer for Episode Nine: Rise of Skywalker, and Twitter's been blowing up about a particular scene, which I kind of rolled my eyes at. But uh, what'd you guys think of that one so far? Don't tease me, bro. Make it real. Yeah. So you you know the part I'm talking about, right? With the uh, the weird flippy lightsaber oh, I, thing. I know. Which, by the way, is not the first time we've seen that. That was all. That was in uh, I want to say Clone Wars. There was a Jedi with uh, a with the exact same um, basically dual lightsaber type setup uh, in one of the Clone Wars episodes. Really? So. Does, I didn't watch all of Clone Wars, so does that tie in at all with what you see happening in, in the current timeline, or is it just a reference? Not at all that I can tell. Gotcha. Um, I, I, I don't know if they just thought it was like a, a, a happening design, you know, where it basically it's two parallel lightsaber blades that look almost like a tuning fork, and then with a, a little snap flick of the wrist, it, can, it flicks back down to basically a Darth Maul-esque type, you know, saber staff. Um, and I think everybody was kind of like, because she was pretty handy with the bow staff, with the, uh, the bow staffy kind of thing in, uh, you know, the, her first outing in episode seven. So I think a lot of people were kind of thinking that she would go that way uh, in terms of lightsaber design, which she actually made her own. Uh, so, but I cannot remember the name of the Jedi. I just remember he was kind of a bag, um, ends up dying in the episode, but he was, you know, he he, he was he was he was like a not a not a fun or peaceful Jedi. He was just kind of a you know kind of a douche. Um, but his lightsaber was exactly like that. But it was you know the standard blue or green. I can't remember. I just remember the design was very unique. Uh, so I my assumption is that they that was a bit of a, a design homage because it because it's very unique in that parallel track and it snaps into a, a single staff. That's I assume that's where they got the. Uh, you know, kind of the inspiration for it. Yeah, I mean, clearly it's, it's in my opinion, just trailer bait. You know, oh, look, Ray is 
evil Sith now. It's going to be all crazy. And I, I, I'm calling it right now. That's not at all where the story is going to go. It's they're notorious for this. I think it's probably some vision or something she's having. I don't think it's going to go that route. But of course, that's what everyone's freaking out about and, and screaming around on Twitter. So, you know, the, the, the fan speculation is a little out of control, but that's that's not too uncommon for this sort of thing. Um, but I mean, it's it looks cool. I mean, I, I like the little uh, saw blade thing she's doing in the woods. That was kind of neat. You know, it, it's cool to see them kind of play around more with some advanced, you know, Jedi techniques and, and you know, the kind of stuff you didn't get to see as much in the original stuff, just from, you know, technological uh, limitations of, of the filmmaking. But I think that they can get a little crazy with it and kind of finish this thing out with a bang since it's, if I recall, they weren't, they, they since canceled the, the new trilogy they were going to work on. And they're just currently sticking with uh, with the nine episodes, right? That's my understanding. Uh, that, that this is it for the base trilogy, then everything, that, anything that comes after this is not that there. This is, this closes the actual mainline Star Wars uh, storyline. Gotcha. But they they are certainly talking about other branches that they that they may have out there that they want to start developing. Yeah, I think it probably. It probably depends a lot on how well this episode does because, you know, 8 wasn't as well received. Solo flopped pretty hard. So I think they need to kind of hit it out of the park with this one. If they can kind of reinvigorate, you know, fan engagement, then they could probably branch out a bit more. But uh, I think a lot is probably riding on this film. So, you know, when they bring Abrams back in to kind of fix it, <laughs> you know, they're really trying hard for the, the big, big finish. Well, I think they realized that, you know, the Ryan Johnson version was um... – Real good or real bad. It was, there was no, yeah, this is a pretty good story, but it was like hot and cold. There was no, nothing in the middle on that one. Um, I'm, I'm still kind of torn about it with some of the decisions they made and how they did some things. Um, and, and, and ultimately what it really did is like, it's kind of the beef that we had when we talked about it. one way or the other, it really seemed like Ryan Johnson was absolutely trying to make a movie that you could not, bridge bridge another part of the story from it, it was almost like hey man your job is to close the story that's exactly what he that i feel like that's exactly what he thought his job was or he was just sort of like a you know he was got captain kirk tattooed on his bicep and he's like fuck you star wars here i go um that like i said that has nothing to do with the internal decisions in the film there's some i really thought were awesome very risk-taking some i didn't really care for but just the way that the movie capped, I was like, why the fuck do I need an episode nine? Um, so I'm just kind of curious how they're going to pick it up and almost, they almost have to not pretend that all that shit didn't happen, but they, but I'm, I'm very interested to watch JJ Abrams navigate around the big fuck you plate that Ryan Johnson served him up. Sound check. You guys still there? Oh, sorry. I said the, I said the wrong button. Sorry. Um, no, you're, you're good. I, I was just saying that it's, um, it was like you're right they, they wrapped it up and it was like it was you know an open-ended ending like yeah it could continue but it's kind of like it's done um like you would expect as the end cap of a trilogy not as movie two out of three and what concerns me is it's like okay they set the stuff up but i don't know how you could branch from that and close whatever you branch out from there in a single film which is concerning um, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to start and end with in episode nine. That's going to make it feel like a proper, you know, conclusion without it feeling rushed is my main concern. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on, dude. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, you're good. You're good. I, I mean, I could ask Zell what he thinks, but he's probably just going to shrug and go, eh. 
if he's still there. Should, should, do, do you want me to? No, no. I, I, what I'll do is I'll just hand the rest of the show over to you. Okay, no, no. I would be interested personally in your actual opinion on the subject at hand. I legitimately want to know because you are a purveyor of nerdery like everybody else here. And you have an opinion and, it, and it's like lurking around the back like some little slithering fucking you know, like spell that you're waiting to cast on Harry Potter. So, like, let's have it. Like, what's your opinion? This is made for red pudding radio. Okay, okay, come on, Sal. I'll cut the silence out, but we'll still make you say something. Ah! <laughs> I, well, okay, short answer, I think we're all interested. It's pretty cool. I am, <laughs> I am kind of interested to see how they're going to wrap this up. I really want, I'm yeah. really interested to see what they do. I, I think I'm going to call it now. Uh, Skywalker will be the term for... for whatever the fusers are going forward that are neither Jedi nor Sith. Yeah, I think that's, that's probably probably a pretty safe assumption. I think the the title is a little a little baity, but I think that's ultimately what it's going to be is, you know, this is the the great Jedi path where it's not really a Jedi, but it's a, we finally have a balance rather than these, you know, very violent polarities and that's going to be how we move forward with it. And you know, if it ends well enough, they'll they'll probably take that concept and run with it later, but uh I'm I'm real curious to see how they're going to get to that conclusion and and make it all kind of feel like it fit well following episode eight. So we'll have to see what magic they pull. Um, I just hope it's not uh, not a, a flop because it would be a real bummer for this this whole thing to come back and then kind of end on a sour note. It's Disney; they're going to keep pumping stuff out either way. That's uh, probably true. All right, so we'll see. It, it looks cool, but we will, of course, all see. Uh, Zell, I know you're more of a fan of this series than I am. I haven't really played much of it, but uh, there's a new trailer for the Legion uh, Watch Dogs game coming out. Yeah, yeah. so I'm actually, um, I'm a pretty big fan of this franchise, although when I say that, I should admit that I haven't finished the first game yet because I don't Shocker. have time to play games anymore. Um, but, uh, so for me, it was, it was really exciting with this franchise being set in... Um, you know, originally Chicago and going into kind of what I see on the tech side is the the dystopian future of, of where things are going right now with, with tech companies and everything. Um, and if I remember correctly, they, they said this was going to be in like a post-Brexit London. Um, you know, so they're, they're kind of keeping relevant there. Um but the particularly interesting thing on this one is that apparently you kind of uh, recruit a team of people and you they say anyone in the game can potentially be a recruit for your your team and that obviously different characters have different perks. Um, and I just I just love that there's actually like there's like a really old guy that you can recruit. And one of his traits is that he can just randomly die. <laughs> With permadeath, mind you. There's no, like... Yes, yeah, yeah, it's just, it's just, oops, there he goes, that was his time. <laughs> In the middle of a mission. No, I, I think what's kind of cool about this, and in, in, I've expressed my concerns about the narrative um, without having a central character or, or set of characters, but... From a gameplay perspective, what, they kind of explained more of how it would work and, and showed some some of the, the, the gameplay UI. And, and honestly, what it kind of struck me as is like a 
Borderlands style, but instead of procedurally generated guns, it's procedurally generated people that you play as. And so you have, you know, very distinctive traits and perks that, you know, will combine in different ways. So you might have really overpowered characters or some not so great. It kind of depends on where the cards land, but it does kind of give you that, that, uh, <laughs> like I said, instead of a, a looter, you're, you're just recruiting people. Um, and trying to get you know advantageous perks that are that are um, stacked together in different ways. And I thought that was it was kind of interesting, given that Borderlands Three is coming out right now, um, and you know having that idea instead of a gun, it's a playable character that's that's randomized. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, again, I, I don't tend to gravitate towards these kind of open-ended style games with uh, you know not much of a centralized plot, but. I think the the concept is at least interesting for you know character perks and, and how you collect them and that sort of thing. So I think it has some appeal. It's probably not for me, but I can see uh, why people think it's interesting. Well, I would say that while it's like the previous titles were definitely um, an open world environment, there was definitely a clear linear story that you were going through. Um, we'll have to see how this this goes when I get there in like twenty thirty five. So when's the game coming out? I uh, d- d- don't put me on the spot for answers. Okay. I don't know answers. Soonish, we'll go with that. Um, sometime, the, sometime in the next, you know, six to eight months, whatever this yeah, season of, of game bad. releases is. They'll just want to avoid uh, some of the more heavy hitters coming out this year, I imagine. Hold on, I'm gonna find out. He's he's looking right now. Yeah, because my my brother's of course in full hype mode for. Borderlands three oh, coming out in like March, two weeks. March sixth. March sixth. Uh, oh, that's a waste. Watchdogs Legion. Yeah, yeah, get a little bit of time. are still outside any any sphere of, of release date from any other game, so they'll be they'll be in good shape. Okay, so uh, the last topic we kind of had, um, and this is one that I find kind of interesting, just because it's a game I've never played, but I've always kind of you know looked at it from afar. So, Zell, do you want to tell us what's going on with the World of Warcraft? classic and kind of the history behind how it exists and that sort of thing yeah so so the the really just the crazy thing right now is that like and this has come down um but currently the top streaming game on uh, on twitch is that there are six hundred thousand viewers uh which is bit down from a million viewers watching world of warcraft in 2019 <laughs> um and uh, so basically, WoW Classic launched today, which has been the um, much demanded for a long time point where uh, they dust off the 15 year old version of the game and let you play it, um, which which actually it, it predates my play of World of Warcraft. I actually started uh, with the first expansion, Burning Crusade, and it was already kind of in the middle of that exp- expansion when I started the game. Um, so this is one of those things like I'll probably check it out at some point just to see kind of like what it was like. Um, but this is, this is like, they're going, this, they've had players that have gone for the past 15 years. Like people have actually run their own private world of Warcraft servers in violation of the license agreements and the terms and copyright and whatever because people wanted so badly to play the original wow experience again and you know they it was i i want to say it was two or three years ago that that blizzard finally was like all right fine 
stop making illegal servers. We'll make our own classic WoW server for you. Um, and and right now it's the number one stream, <laughs> number one game streaming on on Twitch. I, and I think I, what I find fascinating about this is that World of Warcraft is obviously an MMO, and and MMOs are typically marked by you know, continual updates, you know, you, you can add new dungeons over time, new raids, new character classes, in some cases, new gear, things to grind for. And that's kind of the, the content is that it's kind of this endless, you know, uh, factory of, of, of content that you go through. Um, and so when I, I see World of Warcraft Classic, it's like, it's fascinating because it's, people are going crazy for it, like they're all over it, which is kind of interesting that people are, are seemingly more interested in playing what WoW used to be rather than what it is now. Um, but my question is, is this going to have any like staying power, right? Because like you're, okay, cool, we're going to play WoW and you you buy WoW Classic and you go back to the beginning of the game and you play through the content. But if their intent is to keep it kind of as a snapshot of WoW on release, they can't really add content to it because that would then not be wow classic it would be wow burning burning crusade or whatever so once people get through the content the first time are they just going to stop playing it or like what's the i guess i'm not understanding like what's the staying power of this product or is it really just hey we've got the assets laying around we kind of assembled it and threw it out there and it's almost like a you know play it once and you're done and then we go back to the the next thing or is it are they going to try to like keep people playing like like do you know what the intent is i'm just curious well, I, I think you're going to see a few things. So first of all is um, there is some content releases coming. And um, what that is, is is that, you know, during the life of the expansion, or in this case, the original game, there are raid cycles and they do intend to roll out all of the patches to World of Warcraft, the original game, um, right up to before the launch events for Burning Crusade. Those will all roll out to WoW Classic servers, and I I think there's even a good chance that what they'll do is occasionally they might recycle through this and, like, spin up a new server that starts at the beginning again. And the reason for doing that is that the game... So there's a lot of experiences to the progression that, that are impossible to repeat today. One of them that's particularly notable is um, it's called Encourage, and it was a raid experience that required, like, there was a whole process to open up the raid, and the um, the open the opening of the gates of Encourage could only be accomplished once per server, and then never again, and only one person on the whole server could actually complete that quest and ring the gong like they would have their entire raid guild doing everything they can to prepare all the materials and get all the supplies ready and and help their one person in their in their guild complete this and when you completed it you got a unique title and a unique mount of which again barring server transfers since then there is only one of per server of uh, on wow and and those people who accomplished it back in the day are still the only people who have that uh now and it it actually was uh in in times when wow was still growing even in later expansions it was notable when they opened up a brand new 
WoW server because everyone, and this is one of the reasons they initially would restrict transfers from other servers, because whenever they open it up, up a new server, there was a possibility for there to be a new Scarab Lord that somebody could accomplish. So stuff like that, something that would be like if they start up a new server and they roll out the Gates of Ankaraj event again a year down the road, there's going to be people who are going to want to experience that and compete to to complete that because it is a one-time event. Um, so, so that's one thing. The other thing I would point out is that um, this is they've actually already talked about the fact that now that they've done this, it's not unreasonable for them to go ahead and do, say, Burning Crusade servers or Wrath of the Lich King servers. Um, I don't think they'd go any further than that. It's really those two those two expansions in the original game uh, represent kind of the peak. A lot of people felt that Wrath of the Lich King or Burning Crusade were the best expansions ever done. Um, I don't think there's any newer expansion that somebody would put up against those two. Um, and it, it, what's actually interesting there is if they did that, if they said, okay, we're going to do a Burning Crusade rollout, they would very possibly have to give people the option to, you know, hey, if you want to, you know, transition your classic character into the Burning Crusade server, or if you want to stay on the, the classic experience, um, because I, th I think there, there would be interest in, in both. Um, I don't like the other thing to realize is that there, there are a lot of people who play these games and it's not for the constant grind of progression. Um, something you'd even see on normal wow servers is, um, the, uh, so, so like they, they, people would actually stop their leveling at a nine, like level 19 or 29. And the reason they would do that is because battlegrounds went in. Uh, you know, the PvP battlegrounds were partied up is in 10 level segments. So everybody levels 10 through 19 can get match made on a battleground. Everyone through 20 and 29 can be match made in a battleground. And so people would actually stop their experience gain, which was a feature that was added at one point. Um, but prior to that, they just try really hard not to gain any XP doing anything. But you'd get up to your, your level 19 or 29, and then you'd get the best possible gear that a level 19 or 29 character could have. And then you just battleground with that character um, because you enjoyed the experience in that level bracket with whatever abilities that characters could get at that time, um, stuff like that. So I, there was definitely interest in playing WoW without constant progression. And honestly, I think in the, in the kind of more modern era where they don't, they, they may not need you know, how... Did we lose yourself? So oh, sorry. sorry. Um, I actually let go of the button and kept talking like that that was going to work. Um, where did I stop? You were finishing up about the level leveling for Battlegrounds and stuff like that. It was only a few seconds. Yeah, okay. Um, See, so yeah, I, I think there's there's people who won't necessarily want the constant grind um, of, of progression. Um... And I think that the volume of servers that support WoW Classic will go down. The, you know, right now they've got a huge volume. I think there's going to be an initial uptick of people who want to experience the nostalgic thing briefly, but aren't going to be part of that crowd that wants to play WoW Classic long term. There is, you know, 
the, the persistence of people running their own private vanilla WoW servers suggests there's a small core that will want this and continue to want this for years to come. Um, and maybe that'll just be, you know, hey, one server that they run now that they've developed the capability to do, do it and kept it running on modern, you know, platforms. Um, I, I think it's going to eventually be a niche crowd, but it's not like it costs them a lot to keep this running once they have it. Now, I guess my question kind of comes down to it. I hear a lot of volatility from existing players that they don't they don't like the direction that WoW has has gone and do you feel that, that that split in direction happened after the the what the Lich King expansion? Um, not really. Um, there's there's definitely different things that have happened in different expansions that people haven't liked. Um, some of the more modern expansions have gotten a lot of flack. Um, Warlords of Draenor was probably the least popular. The one that predated it, uh, Missa Pandaria, was actually. Uh, ridiculed at launch and then later appreciated as one of their better expansions um, just due to the the way it played out Um, and then the current thing is of course that they've they've messed with beloved characters and and whatnot and and people have complained about it and I actually have not kept up in the last few months about where that storyline has gone um, because I've been busy moving but you're going to see people come and go. And obviously Blizzard's had a lot of other non WoW related issues. That's led them to kind of probably bleed down their staff a bit. And some of the original Blizzard employees that, that made like all these classic titles have actually retired out in the last few years too. So you're seeing a little bit of a a change in the guard as well. Gotcha. Yeah. It just, I've just been kind of inquiring around and, and someone had made a comment about how, not that this is a plan they have, but something that they could do um, is perhaps branch, like continue to update the game from like an earlier point in the timeline, but take it a different direction rather than, you know, continue on what they've been doing since obviously people are less satisfied with the state of the current game and, and maybe go back, you know, a few steps and, and try going a different path. And I was just kind of curious at that. If you see, is that something that's actually they, they entertain that idea or are they just going to kind of I, keep marching I don't forward? Think so. gotcha. um, I mean, you have to bear in mind that WoW by default, and, and this isn't, isn't new by any means for any, uh, many games with progression is every expansion is basically a soft, soft wipe of the game. You know, you keep your stuff, right. you keep, but your stuff becomes nearly worthless except for collectibles. Um, you know, whole features of the game, have been like fundamental to certain expansions. Um, Legion had a had like these uh, special artifact weapons that you would power up, and there was this entire talent system just for these these weapons that you'd carried throughout the expansion. And then like the patch before the new expansion, they're like all of these things are useless now, and they just they're just like all you know you this whole system of the game we just we just turned it back off because we don't want you using these in the new expansion. Um, so the reality is, is they're going to keep moving forward, but, you know, being a fantasy environment, they can always, you know, nobody's ever truly dead. If they want to revive a character, they can rip out game systems and replace them to their heart's content. There's a lot of things that I think are a lot of the reasons that people don't like the newer game experiences 
are actually significant improvements to the game. It's just it removes a certain amount of work that people like doing. Like one of the things that WoW Classic lacks that people um, don't like in the newer games is the fact that you don't have to travel anywhere necessarily because the game universe is so big that they had to create systems to get everywhere quickly. They had to create... um, you know, matchmaking for, for like, you can just go in and say, I want to join a dungeon group and they'll go and, and anyone else looking for that dungeon group, regardless of server, they can see it, they can join it. And you can all teleport right to the dungeon once you have a group. And that's made to facilitate, you know, easy, you know, for people to just easily get in and play. And that's not a bad thing, but some people miss having to you know, go out into the world and go meet up and, you know, travel to some far off land and, and meet up to raid a dungeon. Um, and WoW Classic doesn't have the matchmaker for that and doesn't have, and a- actually somebody made a third party add on for vanilla WoW to create a looking for group tool. And Blizzard actually basically said, yeah, we're going to break this because people who play classic specifically wanted the experience before that feature existed and we're gonna we're gonna give them that in in classic yeah it's really fascinating because i i look at from my experience of like final fantasy games like 11 was final fantasy 11 was the other one of the two mmos and it, it had from what you're describing a very classic wow style of of social system where it was like if you wanted to do a dungeon you had to physically find people you had to physically move all of them to the dungeon and actually go into the dungeon as a group. Um, and, and you had to build like a very big social network within the game because if the, the game was set up such that, you know, hey, if you are a healer, you cannot do shit unless you have DPS in a tank with you. Like you just, you're useless. And so having friends and having that social structure was very, very important. And, you know, it was a very social game because of it, but it was also cumbersome because as you come into the game, you have to build that network. Um, on the flip side, Final Fantasy XIV, which is the one I currently play, is what you're describing as more modern WoW, where it's you've got the duty finder, the dungeon finder, where it just matches you with whoever your group needs. If you need a tank, it finds a tank for you. If you need a healer, it finds a healer for you. Um, and it makes it very easy and convenient to do the content, but it... It almost, for that particular fast, it completely removes that social feature because you're going to see this person in the dungeon. They may or may not talk to you. you know, you'll do 15, 20 minutes of content and then they'll disappear. And they might be on a different server. It might be, you'll mean never, never see them again. You know, they're just kind of a like a, a one and done thing. Which, again, some people like that more forced social interaction others just want the convenience of, of more modern tools so it is kind of curious to see you know obviously in the final fantasy's case those are two separate games and you know you can kind of pick which one you want um, but for wow it's 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 one game right so it, if you wanted that old style you had no way of accessing it so i, I definitely can see why people would like not having those quality of life features um, but again, it's also tough if you want to go back and do some of the older stuff, but you still like some of the newer, uh, quality of life things they've added, you know, it's, it's tough and you can't make everyone happy, but, uh, I, I do kind of see both sides of that, that, that equation there. Yeah. So it, it, and the thing that's really interesting is that, um, what, uh, Blizzard has put a lot of effort into determining what is the classic wow experience that they're trying to replicate. So there are things like, 
like for example, one of the things they've said is, you know, hey, we've we made balance changes throughout the life of uh, of the classic WoW experience, and we're gonna keep the latest, you know, the last the last patch version of everything from the get go, even though we're doing the content releases over time, because it's still got to, you know, we want it to be the the fixed experience. You know, we're not gonna reintroduce mechanical bugs to the game that just make the experience worse but we're still going to try to preserve you know they're they're trying to preserve things that made sense that that were things that people were used to there was and then the other thing that was interesting that they changed is there to me it was interesting because it was just one of those differences in the world today and one of the things that you could do in the original WoW is when you died, your skeleton would stay in the map that any, and anyone on the server could see it for like eight hours. Like it would stick around for a while. And what people would do is they would kill themselves repeatedly to leave skeletons to write out words on on the ground. And, you know, occasionally this would be like a gold seller, but the particular reason they decided to remove this functionality from from WoW Classic is because they didn't want um, to have to deal with people like writing out racist slurs or political messages or whatever on the game map. And that was just one of those things that struck me as probably something that people wouldn't have put as much thought into um, 15 years ago as as the problem that they were worried about on a a game, you know? No, that totally makes sense. Uh, that's that's really interesting, man. Like like I said, I have never played WoW, um, so I don't truly understand where people are coming with. But I think it's fascinating, and it's good to see that this obviously has a lot of support. I, I imagine it will probably drop off pretty significantly after a while. But I think for, for the novelty, oh, it's going to drop you know, off significantly today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, as as it is, like since the since it, the game came out, it you know forty percent of the streamer you know streamer views have have dropped. So. Oh, well, there you go. Uh, just, just curiosity. You, you may or may not know. So, like for the average player, if you started playing the WoW Classic campaign, about how much time would it take to get through all of the available content? You know, that's that's a good question because, like, that has even changed so much. Like, if you say, like, the current you know level cap is one twenty, the original one was sixty. To get from one to sixty today takes almost no time at all but one to 60 at the classic leveling speed that you might spend you know depending how much you're you're cramming time you could you could spend a few months doing that okay so it's it's Um, pretty significant still yeah i mean and and there are certain points in the leveling mechanics i remember just it just got slow you know like one of those things is and they do you know this is by design is you know you go from level one to two in like five minutes. And then I swear level 51 or so, it's just such a slog. It, it just takes forever. And they've actually, one of the things they've done is, if, is they've added more levels. They've actually accelerated your way to level through the game um, just to get you caught up. And you actually miss a lot because of that. There's a lot of, WoW has so much content they've built over the years and due to accelerating you up to the current tier of everything, there like you could go through a quest zone and do a couple quests where there were maybe fifty quests available. You know where there might have been a complex storyline that someone had put together, 
and you'll kill some boars and move on because, you know, you're getting 10 times the original XP every time you kill something. Yeah, I mean, that's and that's the thing is that, you know, as people, as you bring new players into the game as it gets, you know, uh, along its life cycle, they want to get to the upper levels quicker because they want to play with their friends that have been playing for, you know, five years or whatever. So you, you kind of want to encourage them to to get through the content faster. And I know WoW is the kind of game where if you want to play a different class, um, you have to start over from the beginning and, and level a new character all the way up from, from level one or whatever. Uh, so I, I can understand, you know, the need to accelerate and it, it, it makes sense. And but at the same time, like uh, I'll use a, an example from Final Fantasy. Like when I played, I got to level, I got through all the, 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 the main campaign of the, the base content and that's level 50. And the next expansion was coming out, which is from 50 to 60. Well, Livy at that time um, wanted to start playing and we were trying to hurry up and get her to, you know, level 50 as quickly as possible. So, you know, we, they had accelerated the leveling a bit and, and, and got some of the stuff faster, but she still complains to this day that I pretty much like bum rushed her through the entire game to level 50 in like a week. Um, and it was kind of a disservice because she missed a lot of like the experiences that kind of teach you, you know, the more, you know, intricate parts of the game or, or stuff like that. So, you know, it, it definitely has its downsides, but I also understand why games like that need to, uh, speed things up again a bit to, to make it feel like if you want to play the game with veteran players or if you're starting a new character you aren't like spending months just to get back to where you were you know it, it gets you up to the more recent content quite a bit faster yeah and so well and and so one of the things is wow generally when you buy it when you buy an expansion you get a boost a character boost with the expansion purchase that brings you up to like 10 levels before the current expansion too for a character uh, so like if you start fresh like a new character you can start at one but a lot of times people coming in if they've bought the newest expansion they're going to jump you know 100 levels right out of the gate so um and and they'll just give you like some some basic gear and stuff that that would make sense for that level um but yeah, so between the difference in leveling speed and the different mechanics that they've decided don't, you know, that that were that applied to the early levels in WoW that they decided, you know, but were not originally in Classic, there's going to be a very different experience. Um, and the nostalgia is going to, you know, be big for some people. And I, I don't think it'll be a huge popular thing long term. I think, you know, if you were to say, you know, split it percentage wise i'd say you're going to have maybe five percent of the population playing classic servers but you know the the experience is there for people who want to play it the you know it keeps the private server crowd uh diminished and probably nearly gone once they can you know play that optimized experience from straight from blizzard um but at the level you know the the content that they wanted um you know, and and at a certain point, running servers is cheap. They'll probably have like one or two WoW Classic servers long term. Yeah, it sounds pretty good, man. I, I think that or I hope that it does go well for them and that people can get, uh, you know, get 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 what they're they're looking for out of it. I run into a lot of WoW refugees in Final Fantasy coming over to to play this game instead because you know they they aren't satisfied with the direction that uh, WoW has gone. But uh, hopefully that you know some of these 
earlier snapshots of the game can can provide them, you know, a little bit more fun than what they're currently having with with WoW. So I, I do hope it goes well for them, and uh, you know, we'll see. Like I said, it's a very curious topic, and uh, I look forward to see what Blizzard does with it moving forward. All right, guys, I think that's pretty good for show. If you don't have anything else you want to go over, um, anything else before shoutouts? Uh, so we covered the Spider-Man Sony thing pretty well. Uh, that's I I think the more the more that that's continuing to brew out there, the more that's going that eventually is going to blow up in Sony's face at some point. Yep. Uh, or they're going to or or they're just going to commit Harry Carey in front of everybody with a new movie. I think one of the funniest takes I saw was the one uh, I think we even posted in chat where they were talking about like uh, the most meta like Deadpool cut ever with all the former cinematic Spider-Men like hanging out in Deadpool's apartment, which would be f- frankly absolutely hilarious. Amazing. Yeah, I would be, like, I, I would I, be all over that. <laughs> I kind of I kind of hope the whole Spider-Man thing doesn't work out just so we can have that scene happen. Because <laughs> we need to have I, Tom Holland I, as Tom Holland, not as Spider-Man, as, uh, as the actor. Yeah. I desperately want a Night Monkey movie now. <laughs> yes. Well, it's like I've always said, you know, like uh, Hugh Jackman said he would, you know, play Wolverine again, but only in a Deadpool movie. I said, no, no, no. He needs to play Hugh Jackman in a Deadpool movie. And Deadpool thinks he's Wolverine and he's insisting that, he's not. That would be baller. <laughs> <laughs> it would be it'd be amazing. No, so I think that's that's pretty good stuff. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm real keen to see uh, when this thing detonates and and how badly Sony now, gets burned. But but Deadpool is now owned by Disney, not. That, no, no, that's that's the point. That's the point is that they can they can not use Spider Man, but they can absolutely use Tom Holland as not Spider Man. I suppose like, that's true. Yeah, and, okay. and I believe they can use Night Monkey. Yes, they have the rights to Night Monkey, who's not Spider Man at all. Seriously. That would be killer good. <laughs> and my brother's like, I think I think Disney will give in first. I'm like, no, no, no. The mouse does not blink. Sony will lose this fight one way or the other. I and I, I think that's unfortunate, but it's also true. Like a, a, anyone who has not been on board with what what Disney slash Marvel is doing. Um, has for the most part lost probably the only person who's actually had the power over marvel to do you know to to hold out um has been robert downey jr himself um probably the only example i can think of where someone has told marvel that's not how this is gonna go and and won and that's when um he basically i i think it was before uh maybe before avengers 2 before age of ultron where he really he like robert Downey Jr. is like i'm not i don't care that you're paying me 70 million dollars if you're not paying my co-stars properly i'm not doing it um and that was a particularly notable time because anybody else tried to fight for like decent pay against disney they're like yeah we don't need you and that's why we have a different uh you know different war machine because Disney's like, we don't want to pay you what we said in originally in our contract. And he's like, well, I don't want to do it then. He's like, fine, we'll get someone else. And that's what they did. Yeah, I just, like I said, I'll be interested to see how the smoke clears on that one. Uh, Sony, Sony Ziffley, I think, going to come out maybe worse for the wear out of this one. Uh, well, you know. We'll I mean, of- to be fair, Into the Spider-Verse was really good. And, and- I agree. But that, that, I guarantee you, was something that was cooking along. 
and then some dude at Sony, like as he looked up from his mirror with his line of cocaine he just did, goes, Spider-Man, we still own that, right? We didn't give that totally up, right? Wasn't there like a cartoon, uh, Spider-Vision, into the Spider-Vision? What was it? Hey, Mike, go tell me what that fucking cartoon was. <laughs> and then they saw that thing. They're like, holy shit, there's something here. And, and I, I guarantee, in, in fact, there's a leaked email where the guy was like, hey, we know how to make, make uh, uh, superhero movies too. We made Venom. And I'm like, what? what? That's the <laughs> example you pick? Like, you and other people that were screening it for the producers saw that movie. That was it. I liked Venom. I thought it was decent. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm there, but it's it, this is one of the ones where if Sony, if they, if they treated it like a cash machine for very little effort, they could just keep getting cash printed and, and flowing into the Sony coffers to do whatever the fuck they want with. Um, if all they basically did is say, yeah, cool, you just keep making the movies and we'll keep making, like, maybe instead of 95%, we'll take, like, 90 yes. or 80. We'll be cool with you. And, well, and, that's all thing. Disney wants 50. Yeah, they wanted 50, which, and I hate to say it, but, like, they put, like, most of the people that made that movie were all under contract by disney they weren't under contract by sony <laughs> like so so it's like uh okay i mean this this kind of makes some sense here i mean 50 50 is kind of a bold move i think they could have probably you know pulled it down but where disney was smart they're like they were like hey we'll give you you know 95 percent up front so five dollars on every 100 um like you you take the 95 we'll take the five but we get all the marketing right that alone is working pretty well now, the, the reality is Sony is just, they look like douches because they're like, this thing is literally a Monty printing machine. Like, absolutely. And if they can't figure out, they maybe need, to, if they could readjust a little bit, if they could have like met, met somewhere in the middle, they would have still come out looking like heroes. Everybody would, would have been good. Uh, and, and it would have been fine. And if they were smart, they would have never given Spider-Man up. Hey, we're going to stay at like 25, 30, you know, like a 70, 30 split the whole way. And just call it good, and I think it would have been absolutely fine, uh, at least in, you know, as far as I can tell. But uh, who knows? This may work out. They may James gun this thing. You know, they get six months. Maybe they'll fix fix this shit when they figure out that there's there's too much money to be made to do you know doing this versus not doing it. So, you know, we'll we'll see. But I, I think that was about, I think that's about all I had. I there's a bunch of stuff coming out in GamesCon. There's literally several dozen trailers of things out there that we could talk about. We may want to look at that as a, um, probably a distinct show. Sure. Uh, just looking at the games controllers that came out. Cause there, a lot of what we'd kind of seen before, um, at least in terms of raw trailers, but there's, there's a fair amount that's out there. Uh, probably worthwhile taking a look at some of it. And, and at some point we just need to like look at all the releases in September and figure out, are, are we going to have any time to do anything? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's even just this next month, I'm like, Jesus, I'm not going to have any time for anything. And there's more games popping out that I'm like, I hadn't even heard of this until it came out, but I really want it now because it looks good and everyone says it's good. And it kind of sucks in a good way. Yep. Uh, I, I guess I'll actually make that my shout out <laughs> because there's a game that came out called uh, Remnant from the Ashes. And uh, it's basically like four-person... Third, th- third, third person perspective, four person co-op, Dark Souls with guns and like hardcore RPG mechanics. 
with Borderlands this- randomization. It's called Remnant from the Ashes. Oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, okay. Does that not look fucking great? Like, I'm, I'm loving everything I'm hearing about that game, and I did not know it existed until it, it was like, basically cool. out. Sorry, what was that? No, like, what? Like I, I saw that pop up in my feed a couple times, so I checked it out. It's, um, it looks pretty, it looks pretty interesting. Well, how would you call, like, the art style to that, though? Like, what would you, like? <sighs> I, I don't know. I mean, it's kind of got, it's like a, almost, I don't really know, like, I don't want to say a better looking Bloodborne, because it's definitely a different style of, of environment, yeah, but it's kind of got that feel to it, quite, though. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a bit anime-ish, you know, a definitely. Bit, yeah. But yeah, like just it was kind of great, like what they're talking about. Where they're like, yeah, it's a, it's like a it's like a campaign, but like the choices you make might have you uh, skip or do extra boss encounters depending on what you do, and then the bosses will drop like unique gear, but it's different every time you play the game. So you might get something really powerful early on, or you might not. So every time you redo the story, it's going to be kind of a different experience because you're going to have access to different types of tools and stuff like that. I'm just like. This sounds awesome. Um, and, and people say it's like Dark Souls with guns, but it's it's not quite that intense. Like it's it's, it's on the easier side, but it's definitely very punishing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I haven't played it, but it looks looks really cool. And I'm like, ah, but I've got Borderlands coming out in two weeks and Monster Hunter coming out in two weeks, and I can't pick up a fourth game. So I, I'm going to be stacked with stuff to play for like the next six months, probably. Did you happen to try the uh, the Modern Warfare uh, Alpha? Was just- uh, I did not. It's pretty, it's pretty tight. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, it's pretty. They had the two is the two v two mode. It's that is a hundred percent made for esports. Oh, it's, I'm sure. Yeah, it's a very, very, very tight feel. Um, you know, it's obviously it's a small map based on two v two. You get a curated loadout that changes every two every two rounds it's uh six rounds it goes really fast it is uh surprisingly good like I, like it very crisp very you know definitely a uh, a noticeable technical improvement over over cod like the the, the last you know few cods i mean it's definitely it's 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 good it looks good it feels good to play i'm not a huge cod fan it's just a different style of fps than i play uh but i'm definitely going to jump in it they Absolute went face deep into the campaign though, uh, so they they brought that back in spades. Um, there's a really cool expose on Game Informer that I recommend people checking out. They got pretty good video as well as uh, um, you know some articles out there. But they it's kind of interesting because there's a lot of folks that were former uh, respawn folks that stuck around that came over for Call of Duty. Some of their original Call of Duty guys came back. So they kind of had this neat sort of uh, mix of generations and other games that were out there. So they definitely, they definitely sort of, um, you know, tuned some things up. But the 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 story mode in it looks to be quite fascinating. Uh, I recommend everybody check that out. Just go check out Game Informer on the story mode stuff. It may or may not be for you. Um, it's it's reportedly fairly intense, uh, fairly gray in in its perspective you know, uh, you know, portrayal of things. And again, I've got, I've got some potential misgivings with that, which I've voiced on one of the earlier shows, but it's, um, the more I've seen about it, the more fascinated to play it. It's definitely got, I'm definitely hooked. 
I will play that just for the single player campaign, probably. Uh, not a huge fan of the uh, kind of lobby shooter scene, but we'll kind of see how it goes. So. Yeah, sounds good, man. I mean, it's 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 a lot of good stuff coming out, and like I said, Gamescom is is a wealth of stuff. So maybe next episode we'll we'll kind of pool all that and kind of go over everything bit by bit and give our thoughts on. I think it could be a good show. Sounds good. Uh, do you have a shot, man? I do broadly. Yeah, I'm gonna shout out to the guy that was sitting next to me on the plane. Uh, large man, bald, unshaven. Uh, your shirt was too too small. When I say large man, he was physically large in that he was grossly overweight. Uh, he looked very sketchy. Back pants, sandals, and the, one of the most horrendous cases of sleep apnea ever. He passed out within two minutes of sitting down before we actually taxied out of the runway. Uh, I like everybody around him basically all took pity on me. They all understood that I was the possible position seeing next to this guy and at one point i legitimately was trying to figure out when he dies uh how do i roll his body into the aisle so i can get up and pee uh so <laughs> shout out to you oh good lord <laughs> all right zell you're up um shout out to the uh the new star citizenship i can't afford but think looks cool it's 675 bucks so uh no thank you um but it it lays mines so it's it's kind of a neat neat vehicle um that that won't be in the game until 2026 at the earliest probably is there going to be a game in 2026 or uh, there already is a game it's just like pre pre alpha i, I would call it like a simulator not so much a game there there is there is actually like a a there there are like fully implemented game loops and professions that you can actually engaging the main problem though is that they wipe all your crud every every couple of months anyways that's that's the main problem right now gotcha um but uh and then uh, my other shout out is uh the game control launches tomorrow and it sounds like fun but i probably won't have time to play it i'll have to look into that because i've seen ads for it but i honestly have no clue what the hell it's about but it looks very trippy and cool looking so i'll have to look into that that that's that's the main thing like you know i've read a little bit about about the game but mostly it's it looks really cool <laughs> seems legit all right sounds good man uh and that is our show guys i want to thank everyone for tuning in uh as always if you want to be on the show or have any topics you want us to cover games you want us to play head over to biomass.com and let us know but that being said we'll see you next week and uh, be safe out there